let's start with this, Joe, because we've got a lot to talk about in terms of, of round two and three. This is a great day. There's a whole bunch of players that are very exciting that the Seahawks could potentially draft. Um, but I wanted to start by asking, by reflecting backwards, and and Charles Cross was Seattle's first pick with the number nine overall selection. What is your reaction? Have you listened to the press conference that Carolyn Schneider did? You know, what what, what is your feeling a few hours on from that pick? Yeah, I did listen to the press conference. They weirdly like didn't stream it live last night. I had to go on their website to find it. But the sense I got, and I think a lot of their comments in the press conference alluded to that, was I really don't think they thought any of these three tackles would be on the board. And I think a lot of their planning was based on that thinking. And Houston was considered a team that was looking at tackle. The Jets were looking at tackle. The Giants were supposed to take a tackle at five, and then Carolina. So there seemed to be a real sweet spot. And I think a lot of their draft planning was based on going in another direction. And I thought that's where a lot of the trade-down talk went because I don't think they thought a tackle would be there. And I think their focus last night, from what I understand, I'm under the impression, reading Albert Brewer, who did tie them to cross, I'm under the impression that they went to the draft hoping for Derek Stingley. And I had heard a lot of buzz about that. There had been a lot of Todd McShay had talked about it. And I really think if you do like the domino effect of this draft and say Houston takes a lineman or they take Sauce Gardner at three, I believe the domino effect would have pushed Stingley down to nine. So I don't believe that Seattle was, and they seemed genuinely surprised when they were talking yesterday. So again, I like Cross probably a little more than you did. I was okay with him. I think I was generally surprised they did take him, though. I just thought, based on his profile, he didn't fit what I thought their profile would be. We, they talk about run blocking so much, and that's really the limitation of his game. He's not – you've done a really good job highlighting their athletic traits and some of the things they've looked for over the years. He falls short a little bit, some of those. But I just think he's a very solid, clean prospect. There's Some of the best offensive line evaluators were really, really high on Charles Cross. I don't think there's much to complain about. He's a, he's a left tackle. The board did not fall their way the first seven picks. I think the board really went against them. Like pick three to seven was really rough from their standpoint. So I think it probably came down to Jermaine Johnson or Jordan Davis or Cross. And I, I was personally hoping for Jordan Davis when they came on the clock. But I think there's a lot to like about Charles Cross. I think he projects like – from a standpoint, from physical standpoint and style to like a David Bakhtiari type of left tackle. He's not this athletic freak. He's he's more like that. So to me, if they're getting a premium position, they're getting a good piece, I'm totally okay with it. Yeah. One of the things I've often said, Jeff, and you know, reflecting, especially this offseason as well, as we've kind of looked at, uh, at sort of the post-Russell Wilson era is um it, you know, don't be too you can never be too critical of of a team that's sort of investing in its offensive line. And I've kind of said that when the Seahawks have made other offensive line picks, you know, James Carpenter, for example, which created a, a lot of uh, chatter and some controversy about whether that was a reach and then Jermaine Fedi and stuff like that. You know, a team that sort of goes out of its way to improve in the trenches is, is generally sort of the mind, the, 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 the approach is right, let's say. So I'm not going to quibble too much about a team that, that drafts a left tackle when they have no tackles you know, on the roster, really, <laughs> Stone Forsyth and Jake Kerhan. I'm, you know, I'm sorry, but you know that it was a it was a huge honking need. And you know, I think that when when Schneider and Carroll were asked in their pre-draft press conference whether they were still interested in re-signing Dwayne Brown, John Schneider's face was a picture because he kind of like looked like he just pulled a face, and and Carroll went, "Oh yeah, of course, yeah, yeah, we're still talking, yeah." And it, and it, to me, that was like, okay, that's quite a a big tell that maybe that's 
fallen through like a lot of these moves over the years where they try and bring somebody back or get somebody in and it's just not happening. He obviously wants a bit too much money. So I think that was a tell. We've got a couple of super chats. I want to quickly get to these. Um, and Juan says, uh, who are your favourite players available in day two? Don't worry. We are definitely going to talk <laughs> about that. Not going to do it just yet. I just want to talk a little bit more about Charles Cross. Um, but we will we will get to that. And there is another one here. I need to find it. It's way down at the bottom. Here we go. Uh, Big Mike says, support for Mr. No Sleep. Thank you very much. If you want to send a super chat in, then uh, they're all gratefully received. So, yeah, on cross, you know, I've had a bit of time to think about it, Jeff. Um, I, I, Despite the no sleep, I've actually been to the, been shopping with my wife, uh, which was a very wow. difficult experience, <laughs> uh, especially because it was an hour's drive away from where we live. And it gave me a lot of time during that experience to think about Charles Cross. So, um, do, do, do you know what? The, I, I, I'm not a huge fan of, of Charles Cross, as you've mentioned, but... You know, I hope it works out, and I'm, I'm certainly going to give him a chance. I think the one thing that I really think he needs to do, Jeff, is he needs a weight, a proper pro weight training program. I'm not sure if you saw the uh, God, what is it called? Big Boys Club, which was yeah. the ridiculous program that Fox put out as basically an advert for Duke Manyweather um, to, to to bring in offensive linemen to train with him at great cost before NFL drafts, and you know. In fairness, you know, I don't want to body shame anybody. Charles Cross is, is, is not in he, – he, he's not got the Dwayne Brown physique, let's say. You no. know, there's, there's a cracking pair of moves on the man, right? So he needs to get into a, a training program. I think that more – when, when you sort of look at the, the, the bench press of all the tests, he only needs 20 reps. And people say, well, he'll get stronger. Yeah, he needs to get stronger. But bench pressing at 307 pounds is not about – at 225 pounds – is not about strength. It's about stamina. And I, I get the sense that maybe at Mississippi State, because of the way they play, this, they were not on their offensive line. And get in the, the gym, get in that, get lifting those weights, get doing all, you know, he's not got great muscle definition. And I think when he gets to Seattle, that's what they're going to do. They've already said they're going to make him bigger. Just looking at his frame, he could easily add 10 pounds of weight, yeah. um, of muscle. And if he pulls that off in the next 12 months, then we'll be talking about a very, very different player. And, you know, I've been saying he's not very explosive. Well, he, he can become explosive within that weight training program. I think there's a work to be done on his body that will help him get there. So that, for me, is the priority for him over the next 12 months. And if he pulls that off, Jeff, fingers crossed he can be a good left tackle. Yeah, and I, th I think you mentioned it pretty well. Pete's first thing was that they were asked last night whether he needs to add weight, and he mentioned I think it was ten pounds that they can add right away with him. So I think that's a very good. I think that's a very good evaluation. I thought just clearly there was three offensive tackles in this draft, and I always thought he was the third one. And that there was a lot of chatter that some people had him as the top one. I thought that was like a big projection, but. No pro football focus had him as like the third player in the draft. That seemed rich for me. But yeah, there's still, he's not, there's a reason he went third of the offensive tackles. He has the most to, to grow. He has the most room to grow. And I think for where Seattle is as a franchise, that's fine. They, they shouldn't be planning to be good next year. And I think it's where you can take a developmental guy and take time and really try to, and we'll see tonight and we'll talk about that later, but we'll really see tonight kind of where their vision is of their team and, a lot of indications I have is just this year is kind of setting up the rest of the rebuild. So 
taking a guy like Cross, who does have work, like I think you have to acknowledge he's not a you drop him in and he's an all pro player. I think there's he's gonna have to learn a lot. It's it's gonna he's gonna have to learn the three point stance, he's gonna have to learn how to run block a little differently. Like you said, the the three the what in that offense, the air raid, it's more about just like what kind of physical shape are you in, stamina, you're pass blocking every play. Like I heard Jason Kelsey say how much he would have hated playing in that system for Mike Leach. And Jason Kelsey's been a 12-year starter in the NFL. So it's it's a big jump. It's a big projection. His his physical size needs work. His technique will need work. But there's a lot to work with there. And just, again, the board did not fall, I think, how they wanted it to. I think they were really looking at defense with the first-round pick because I think they were genuinely surprised that this happened. And I think it was probably one of their lower scenarios. But I do think there's a lot to like from that pick. Yeah, it was interesting that John Schneider was, when he was asked, you know, what was the trade market like? And he mentioned there was a chance to move up that fell through. And then he kind of casually tossed in, there was a chance to move down that fell through. But I thought it was indicative. Maybe um, they were talking, to, for example, to the Panthers, who were also said to be very interested in Charles Cross. Look, if you move down to nine, you can still get Charles Cross. We prefer, I don't know, someone else. And they See, could have moved up. Yeah, I believe the move up would have been for Thibodeau. Mm, and. I think the Panthers are the exact spot that they would have done it. And, and then he came off. That's and he came off at five because the Giants did a really good job of holding back their interest. There was no almost no ties of the Giants and Thibodeau. And I believe that the Seahawks viewed him as like a, a large step up. And I think he's like the one player they would have moved up for. That's it. Yeah, I not thought about that. I not pieced that together. And at the time, you were thinking, okay, the Giants have taken Thibodeau at five because they don't want to risk losing him and they know they can get one of these offensive linemen. And, yes. But you, you, I, it didn't dawn on me that Seattle might have been the team that they were fearful of because it wasn't going to be Carolina. It could have been somebody else. you know. And there may have been another team, may not have just been Seattle, who were coming from way back. There's been a bit of chatter that there were teams in sort of the teens willing to move up, and that could have happened too. But the fact that Schneider said it, yeah, if they don't take Thibodeau at six at five, and they take Neil at five, do the Seahawks come up at six? Take Thibodeau. Yeah, Giants are screwed. They haven't got it. I mean, that, God knows what the Giants would have done at seven, if because they would have taken the offensive lineman and Stingley and Sauce Gardner were gone. Yeah, who knows what they would have done in that position? Interesting that. What could have been? I mean, it does make you really wonder the sliding doors moment, and I think they were. I don't want to overdo it. I thought they looked a little deflated when they did their press conference. Not overly. It wasn't LJ Collier 2019 deflated. But I, I just wonder whether they thought, ah, oh, do you know what? They've got us there. You know, if they'd have just took that offensive lineman first, we would have been in we would have been in there with a the trade, but it didn't happen. And that that was my read too. I think they went to the draft and I thought they thought there was a really good chance Stingley would fall to nine. And I know a lot of people have written, they did their homework on him. And I believe that Desai and Carl Scott, they had a lot of intel on Stingley. I believe that would have been their guy. That would have been the most excited. Thibodeau, too, I think just they viewed him as a upper echelon player. I think they were genuinely surprised that Cross did fall to them. But I think it was probably their third scenario. And I think that reflects exactly what you're saying. So um, looking ahead, um round two and do you know i was i was i was just listening to the press conference again before we started this just to sort of refresh my memory and i don't know if this means anything or not jeff but um because certainly i think that 
the defence needs a lot of work, and we'll talk about that too. It needs a lot of work. But Carroll said it's a great place to start drafting a left tackle when you're building an offensive line. I heard that too. So there's still a huge hole at right tackle, I think. I don't think Jake Kerhan's penned in there as he's the starter. There's a hole at right tackle. I don't think Gabe Jackson is for long in Seattle. I, I, the fact that Carroll casually tossed out and you know um, Phil Haynes is competing with Gabe Jackson at left ta- at left guard, it was like, well, like, ooh, that's a bit uh, you know unexpected, shall we say? You know, and Damian Lewis is he going to move back to right guard now where he's better? Um, I don't know, and I still think Austin Blythe's a hedge. So. Are they setting out in this draft potentially to build an offensive line? You know, I love Abraham Lucas. I think you really like him too. I would have no issue taking him at 40 or 41, frankly, or whenever you can get him, um, and saying you've got bookend tackles. I would have no issue with that whatsoever. There's about 50 players I'd have no issue with whatsoever, but (laughs) Abraham Lucas certainly is one of them. But did you? So you say you picked up on that. I mean, what is the chances that Seattle use another pick on an offensive lineman early today, do you think? I heard the same thing, and my, my thing came up. So if they went defense, I'm almost certain that Abraham Lucas would have been target for them 40-41. I think today they're going to spend their time thinking if that's the move or do they shift all their resources to defense now. But to me, the, the name I was really hoping for, and you had talked about this guy a lot in your pre-draft content, was Tyler Linderbaum. And I was really hoping that they would move back into the end of the first if he slipped a little further. And if he got into two, to me, that would be the dream scenario. But sort of like the cheaper situation for me was Cam Jurgens, And he's a guy that I've been high on for a while. I think I, for, you've been high on him as well. And there's Jurgens, And then if you could get one of Lucas or Jurgens in the second round and to this line, which we've talked about, they've had no direction with it it's been the biggest issue we've had here. If you can add two long-term pieces on the offensive line in this draft and really set up for a better draft class next year. So we came into this thing like, Hey, maybe they establish a new front seven. Maybe they do that. I think you have to end up with one of those two scenarios. Either you build your offensive line here or you build like a core on defense, but the offensive line is a great place. If you can come out with bookend tackles and you're okay at guards, the interior spots for now, you obviously want to upgrade those, but I, if you can come out with two tackles or a tackle and a center that can be pieces for the next five years, because just as of yesterday, even who are their long-term pieces on their offensive line? Maybe Damian Lewis. Like you still don't know. You still can't figure out what he is. He, he looked really good the first year. Then he looked out of position last year. Phil Haynes actually, I thought outplayed game Jackson in the last couple of years, but he, he's a fringe guy for what I understand. Austin Blythe is a draft head. He didn't play last year. So to me, adding two offensive line long-term pieces would really change how this group looks for the long term. And you can really add to this over time. But to me, either you do that or you shift your resources heavily on defense from this point. But I would be totally okay with Lucas. If you got Lucas and you come out with two tackles, that kind of fits exactly where me and you think the roster should be this year. You can live with the humps. You can live with them. I don't think winning should be their super priority this year. And then if you're in position to get the quarterback and your offensive line's in place – that's a really quick rebuild. Um, and to me, I've been spent the last three years pushing for them to take a center and they keep passing. So I don't know if I want to convince myself again that this might happen, but Jurgens to me would be a no brainer. I Cole Strange was a guy I like too. I can't believe he mm. went in the first round. 
Yeah, I, I, I think that that was a reaction to Zion Johnson going off the board. And I think New England, I think that was an obvious. When they traded Chat Mason, I think I, straight away I was thinking Zion Johnson at 21. And I think when he went, they just sort of thought, mm, we'll move down. Maybe they're trying to move down again, I don't know. And they took Cole Strange and he'll just fit in there. Uh, we've had another super chat from Jay. Thank you, Jay. No comment, but thank you for the support. Uh, keep those coming in. Um, yeah, I think it's... Look, Abraham Lucas is just such a good player. I don't understand, Jeff, why... You know, I've kind of been waiting. At some point, his, his stock is going to start rising here. And there was that one moment during the offseason where Mike Garofalo said he could be a first-round pick. And he thought, oh, here we go, it's going to start. And then nothing. There was just silence again. It just went away as quickly as it started. And this is a guy who tested brilliantly, uh, you know, in everything. You know, the agility, ran a great 40. He's explosive. He's got a great proportion frame. He's got length. He looks like a great tackle in terms of just the eye test of looking at him. On the on-field drills at the Combine, for me, stood out like a sore thumb. Was the best on-field te- uh, performer in the drills that they do on the field at Lucas Oakfield. At the Senior Bowl, you know, he's, I mean, like, he, he wasn't flawless, but I think he was better than Bernard Ryman and Trevor Penning, who both got a lot of publicity for their week in Mobile. I've been waiting for him to just sort of vault up and get a lot of attention. It's never happened. I think he'd be a home run pick for Seattle at 40, 41. And, and I, I think it's quite a difficult to decision, actually, Jeff, to know what to do here. I don't, I don't envy Carolyn Schneider in this situation. It's quite a, you know, a treat to have 40-41 and to have the luxury of picking twice in this great second round. But the combination, you know, do you go take another offensive lineman? Do you go double dip on defence? Because, boy, the defence needs some help. Do you... Do you take two offensive linemen? Do you go Jurgens and, and Lucas and go, right, job done, O-line's fixed, that's it, O-line's sorted for the future. Jurgens could even play guard. I mean, you know, well, you've got a lot of options there. I mean, it, I, I don't know. I mean, I, I just to me, that is a really challenging one. To, to look at the defence, though, I mean, I'm looking at this now and the players who are left on the, the board, Jeff, I mean, I think we're going to see a little run on defence here. And I, I, look, I'm, I don't like quoting a source because I'm in no way, shape or form an insider of I, I, whether by luck or some other thing, I've stumbled across a contact. And he predicted that Charles Cross was going to go 8-12 and he predicted that Iquano would go 7-9 and they generally did do that. And he told me a while ago that he felt that Andrew Booth, the cornerback at Clemson, was the third best corner in the draft. He hasn't done any testing. He's had some injury issues. I know that some people rate him very highly. Others are a bit more lukewarm on him, but he's still there. Travis Jones had an amazing senior bowl. He's still there. Powerful. Ran a 4.92 at 325 pounds. He's kind of, he reminds me a lot of Dontari Poe coming out, who was like a top 15 pick. And he's there at the top of round two right now. He could be the first pick today. Uh, Logan Hall is still there. Boya Maff is still there. Kyler Gordon's still there. I mean, you know, they're just a, that's just a collection of names. They're not even some of the names, Jeff, that, that I like the most. You know, a lot of other people will say, oh, Nicobe Dean and David Ajabo and Perry and Winfrey. You know, I'd chuck in Channing Tindall and Leo Chanel. I really like Sam Williams, the old Miss pass rusher. I don't know if the character concerns with him are going to be too much of an issue, but really like him. There's some very appealing cornerbacks in this draft. You know, there's, there's other guys that you could chuck into the mix. There are so many defensive players here. And... You act, when you actually look at what the Seahawks have done on defense this offseason, they've got rid of Bobby Wagner. They've got rid of DJ Reed. They um, got rid of Carlos Dunlap. 
They cut Benson Miewa, and all they've done so far is bringing Artie Burns on a $2 million contract, Shelby Harris in the, in the Wilson trade, and Yuchenna and Wosu. I mean, the defence, it's it very easily, it could be worse than it was a year ago, Jeff, and it wasn't great a year ago. They need to do something here. I mean, as much as we're talking about, oh, Abe Lucas be really good, Cam Jurgens be really good, we could talk about other offensive players too. If you could get two really good defensive players, 40 and 41, that might help the team more than anything right now. Yeah, it's funny. I was going through just the list. I went, I started looking at your board this morning when I was just putting out a tweet of why I don't want them to draft a quarterback because I thought the opportunity cost is just really high. And I, I get where everyone's like, well, it's, it's it's not a big risk, whatever. I looked at the def- I looked at all of offense today when I went to position by position. I only came up with like two or three names for Seattle that they should draft for all offense. And on defense, just the names were crazy. It was just like there's like seven or eight pass rushers, six linebackers, like four defensive backs that I would be happy with at 40 or 41. And so now that they went offense to start the draft, when I think that was their opposite plan, I would not be surprised if all three picks are on defense today. And I think you can take a pick at every level. And there's chatter that the Seahawks do are more willing to adjust their cornerback strategy because I do believe they would have taken Stingley when he was on the board there. So the name you've mentioned, I think Andrew Booth and Kyler Gordon have to be in play for their early pick. I think those guys would project as a number, probably a number two corner, but that'd probably be a starting number two corner for you. And the edge guys are just, there's so many edge guys. So I don't know if you can move down for like a one to 40 and 41 and pick up another third rounder to try to get four players today. I think that would be a really good strategy. Maybe you take one of your top rated defensive guys and try to add someone else and then add four maybe three three defensive players and an offensive lineman i think that would be a really good strategy but if early on if they they go out and i would not be surprised if they just go edge corner and really i think you you kind of put me on this earlier and chang tindall was a guy i really learned about from you and i think the first time we talked in january and when you were advocating cutting bobby wagner you were showing me his highlights so this to me is just the more i dug into this draft starting in like february this to me has been the sweet spot for linebackers, off-ball linebackers. I was stunned that Walker went as high as he did. He went with tw- the Green Bay. And then Devin Lloyd was a guy I thought should go at the end of the first round, but I thought I would not take Devin Lloyd because look at all the guys. And you look at the draft, there's Tyndall, there's Chanal, there's Chad Muma, who I think Chad Muma kind of reminds me of like a KJ Wright. He doesn't have like the crazy athleticism, but he's really smart. He's got a really high football IQ. And he diagnoses plays really well. But to me, Nakobe Dean, I think there's some medical concerns there. So I don't know if mm. I think that's why he's slipping. He's already undersized. He didn't do a lot of testing this year. But to me, if you can get one of those linebackers in this range, to me, that's been the sweet spot. You move on from Bobby Wagner, you pay a guy two, $2 million and you're getting faster and pair that guy with Jordan Brooks. That's a position that's solved now. But to me, edge, corner, linebacker, there's a lot of of like there's just a lot of opportunity there and i think that's where they they really came out of this trade looking good because they have two high picks in the sweet spot and they can move around the board now if they have guys that they like and there's just so much depth here and that's really the strength of this draft class and what you've been hampering the whole time like you're getting guys in the second third fourth round that you're not usually getting and really having three high picks today and maybe you could get more really sets up a good way to rebuild some of their position groups that, as you said, 
they didn't do much in free agency and they're and the things they did add most of them are stop gaps to help you get through the season like quentin jefferson and Artie burns those guys they know the scheme they're essentially just warm bodies like they're not part of the long-term planning well you, you what they need to do is they need to add position player and this is what they've been good at in the past they found players second and third round consistently it's they've been much better here than in the first round so they got three premium picks tonight and there's just so many intriguing names and they can really come out of this draft looking good if they nail this part let's super chat here from james saying Tariq woolen being six four running that fast 40 seems like a pick pete is gonna really want is he a reach at 40 41 i would say yes i mean there's undoubtedly a lot of uh, physical potential there, but he's incredibly stiff. And and I just, I don't know. I, I I mean, I've watched Andrew Booth. I think that the medical, obviously we're not privy to the medical situation there. Um, and, it, and it may be worse. And it may be that he sinks further because I think if he was healthy and he tested, he would have been a first round pick. And he's still there. If he gets there to 40 and you cleared him medically, I would be all for you know, somebody like that. I think he's got the potential. First of all, he could have easily been a first-round pick, so you get another one of them. And for me, I'm not saying he's going to be Trevon Diggs, but he's got, he's kind of got that sort of goes in the second round and in a couple of years' time, everyone kind of wonders how that happens, sort of vibe to him. So I'd be up for that. Uh, you know, I think Kyler Gordon's got a lot of talent. I, I don't know. I, I, it's been a bit underwhelming, all of the, the defensive backs out of Washington. And I don't like, you don't want to cast aspersion, you know, oh, this player didn't play up to, to expectations therefore all of them will never you know they'll never play up to expectations but that has been a consistent theme with washington so i'd probably put boo the head of kyler at this point but my word there are so many good players i mean like even, even if they sort of trade down a little bit you could get an mj emerson who i think people are really sleeping on him jeff martin emerson i, I don't know if you've seen any of him he looks a lot like a, a classic Seahawks corner, you know, tall, long. He's got incredibly long arms, wiry, packs a punch as a hitter. Hasn't, you know, could play the ball a little bit better, but as a classic Seahawks cornerback, right up there. And I, I know I think round two, round three is perfect for him. Damari Mathis at Pittsburgh, Cam Taylor-Britt, Jalen Amore-Davis, who uh, Seattle's new defensive backs coach when they're all about. You know, there are terrific cornerbacks in this draft. You can get a really, really good one. You mentioned the edge rushes. You should be able to get a good one. And I just keep going through combinations. You know, what's the best sort of double act at 40-41, you know, or, or 40 and 45 or whatever, at 40 and 50, whatever you end up doing, Jeff. And, you know, you think, oh, you know, the speed of Tyndall, you know, r running around next to Brooks, but with with the edge threat of a Sam Williams on one side and a, and a, and a Daryl Taylor on the other. That, that works for me. You know, getting booed and saying, there's our starting corner on one side um, for the next sort of three or four years and, and getting somebody who can rush the passer as well, combining that coverage with that pass rush. That works for me as well. You know, getting a really good offensive lineman, getting a really good pass rusher and just going, we are going to make this a trenches draft. That works for me as well. Trading that, do you know what? I did a little profile. I've actually got the simulator on here and I was thinking maybe we could bring it up and have a little go at it. Uh, between us, we could combine, you know, you could be John and I could be Pete or vice versa. Um, I've got the beard for John, so maybe we should go that route um, yeah. and sort of see how it works out. But, you know, the, the, the combinations that you get here to, to come up with a really good pairing, and, and it just feels like there are so many options. But before we do that, I wanted to ask you, so there's a couple of other things that I think people, Seahawks fans, will be wondering about. One of them is the running back position. So 
there'll be a whole bunch of you know people who are analytically minded who will be terrified that Pete Carroll is going to draft a running back at 40 or 41. There'll be a whole other bunch of people who think, I'll oh, just like Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker, and they would think that that's best player available. You know, personally, I would probably rather wait till round three as the earliest point to take one because I just think the depth in the, in the group is there to do that. But I also acknowledge, Jeff, that when this team has a really good running back, it, boy, does it show. You know, when Rashad Penny's healthy and playing his best, the team looks better. They look better with Marshall. When Thomas Rawls was playing well, they look a lot better than when he was playing like a bunch of crap. So, and the injury history with Penny and Carson, and Penny's on a one-year contract, and Carson may not play this year. If, if Brees Hall, who's got almost an identical testing profile to Jonathan Taylor, if he can be that kind of player, why wouldn't you take it? Kenneth Walker carried Michigan State on his back, and he is a dude. And the thing is, is that you look at the sort of the top running backs in the league because the position's been devalued. Players who may have been top 15 picks 20 years ago are lasting into the range where Seattle's picking. Derek Henry was a second round pick. Dalvin Cook was a second round pick. Alvin Kamara was a third. Jonathan Taylor was a second. Nick Chubb was a second. You know, you pretty much run through every top running back in the league. They were taken in, in the top of the second round. So is Brees Hall or are Brees Hall and Kenneth Walker the next two who within the next sort of two or three years are going to establish themselves as among the best running backs in the league. And I do think there will be something to be said for having that. The thing is, is that you can't project forwards. And if the Seahawks take another running back early and they end up being another flop like Penny for two or three years or can't stay healthy, a whole storm of criticism is going to come down on the team, Jeff. And, rightly, and people will say, right, so how do you feel about the running back position today? I think there's a, there's a range where it's okay. But... I just mentioned before, when I was going through my list of offensive players I wanted them to draft, I only mentioned the offensive one. And that's just in the second round. And again, I I like Brees Hall. I think the I think he reminds me a lot of Matt Forte. I think he's just like a really well-balanced three-down back. He doesn't have that like explosive speed that maybe Taylor does, but he's a really good back. And We've seen the Seahawks, the way they want to play and the way their offense works does work better with a running back. I think that Penny, you can at least give him another year where he's the full-time guy. But I think you have to start planning for Chris Carson not being there or at least hedge that situation. So uh, the guy that you've mentioned the whole time, and I thought that's their running back sweet spot, is the Damian Pierce in round three. And I think that's where I would be hoping the running back chatter starts. I just think there's an opportunity cost it's not about running backs, and I'd be fine if their team was a lot more well-rounded, like the Colts sort of were when they took Jonathan Taylor. They had their offensive line. They had their pass rush. They had their secondary. To, to me, it's totally fine to do a pick like that. He's been their best player, Jonathan Taylor, other than maybe Quinton Nelson. But for the way the Seahawks are right now, I think they just need more foundational pieces at key positions. And I think corner, edge, even linebacker, I think, will be really helpful in this defense. But listen, Brees Hall is a good player. So is Kenneth Walker. Kenneth Walker did, I was really productive at Michigan State. He's a really good back. I'm not going to sit here and like complain if they take him. I'm not going to sit here and be furious. They're good players. But to me, there's just an opportunity cost of giving up these defensive pieces that, as you just went through the depth chart, like they need these pieces. They need to start building this team because I think next year's draft, they're going to be trying to get a quarterback. And that's going to cost potentially a lot of capital. They have to move up. So I think really you need to establish the foundation pieces, dip into the strength of the draft. And then like someone like Zamir White, if he's a fourth or third round pick, that's totally fine. Like I'm very on board with that. 
James Cook even you can get a little bit later. And to me, it's a it would be a little rich. Like I wouldn't kill it like some of the analytics people would because I just think they're good players. And we see the Seahawks, they're at their best when they're f- fully complete on offense. But I want to see them take these positions we were talking about earlier, just corner, edge. Running back would be a little steep for me. Yeah, I, I think I'm with you on that. I mean, on, on my list of round two options, it's it's a lot smaller than the defensive one for round two. It? And I included Hall and Walker, but mainly because I think they're possibilities rather than anything else. I didn't include the tight ends because I thought, well, they're not going to take one of them. But I, and I probably could have done the same for the receivers. Yeah. Um, because I just don't think, you know, a year after taking D. Eskridge in the second round, they're going to take another receiver this early. So, yeah, I think yeah, if you take away the running back, uh, the receivers, you're basically left with one, two, three offensive linemen and a couple of running backs, which maybe is indicative of what they're going to do here. And unless they really, really want to go with Lucas and Jurgens and or Jurgens, and they are building the offensive line as Carol hinted, then I think you sort of you, you go down the list and let me have a look here. Around two options, you know, there's there's a whole bunch, you know, and and what what do you think about? I, I don't want this to happen, um, but they did have Lewis seen in for a visit. They had a virtual meeting with Kyle Hamilton. I, I really hope they don't spend another high pick on a safety because I think just use Ryan Neal if you want to do three safety sets and if you want to or Marquise Blair but that is something that Sean Desai was a fan of in Chicago using three safeties um you know the source that I was talking to a few days ago loved Jaquan Briscoe um I like Nick Cross Jalen Petrie is admired by I think he's probably going to go a bit later than some people think I don't think he's going to be round two I think he's more round three round four but um, people like him as well. I mean, it, is is that so improbable? I, I kind of hope it is, Jeff. But um, just because they've invested so much there, with this front office, nothing is improbable. But to me, it would just be a giant mistake. They safety is one of the positions. It's probably the strength of their roster. They they we've talked about Jamal Adams every single podcast we've done. Seeing what these superstar players are going for that trade just looks so, so bad. And that was just such a big mistake by them. And, but they still signed, they still have Marquise Blair and they've met with a veteran safety before the draft. Kazee from the Cowboys. To me, there's just no, I know teams don't purely draft looking at need. There should be a horizontal board where if someone's just graded way higher than everyone else and they play safety, sure. Maybe you consider them, but to me, we've just covered so many positions. And Louis Seen was a guy who I, I bet they were very high on. He's a really interesting kind of fun prospect, but he went 32 to Minnesota. So unless it's brisker, I just – Petre doesn't seem like a great fit for them because he's probably more of a strength than a nickel corner. And nickel corner is a spot where they actually have a lot of bodies already. And so they, they if they didn't pay Diggs, maybe we have this conversation. But they paid Diggs. They paid Adams. They have good depth. Ryan Neal has been a good player for them, and he can be that third safety guy. So to me, that would be far worse than taking a running back. I think that's honestly the worst thing they could probably do with these picks is take a safety because it's just so low on their list of needs, and they have depth already. So it's just – it's almost nonsensical. And on the note of nonsensical, we move on to quarterbacks. Um, I mean, look. It'd be remiss to sort of completely assume that they're not going to take one here. When I sort of look down the list of players, Jeff, that are available on offense and defense, I don't understand how they could possibly 
justify taking a quarterback who at best is going to be graded in the same way that Drew Locke was when he came out and be drafted in the same range. I mean, I, it, it, unless they trade up, Locke was taken in about the 40s, wasn't he? So you, you're just taking a player that is sort of... For me, the NFL has told us everything. They've validated the opinion that this is not a good quarterback class by only one of them going in the first round. Scott McLuhan told us that he, he thought that um, there was that this was an entire quarterback class where the top guys graded in round three. And Kenny Pickett was graded in round three. And the Steelers have obviously decided he's a local guy. We think he can come in and lead this team. He, yes, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Josh Allen. But we think we're in a position to win and he can help us do that better than Mitch Trubisky. And they've took a chance on him. They didn't need to trade up. They've not given any picks away. The GM's retiring after the draft. He's going to hand the keys over to somebody else. And he's left them with a young quarterback to, to try and have a go with. They took a shot, haven't they? That's essentially it. In a draft where there's not, you know, look at all the crazy crap that was happening in, in that sort of range. They took a quarterback. You know, fair play to the Steelers. They took a, they took a damn quarterback. Who cares? Um, but the rest of the NFL has told us, you know, all those mocks that had Malik Willis at number two. All those mocks that had, you know, there was the, the Chan Reuter one that had the Seahawks trading a future first round pick to get up to number four to draft Matt Corral. You know, the, the stuff about Desmond Ritter in the top 10 to Atlanta, all bollocks, you know, and it was, and, and, and here we sit here now, this class is what it is. It's a bunch of third round graded quarterbacks and the NFL ain't interested. Now, I think in the media, they're probably thinking, oh, there's going to be a run at the start of the second round. Jeff, I'm wondering if actually what we'll find is, We'll all be sat here at the end of the second, and these guys will still be there because the NFL views them as third-round prospects. And rather than reach, they'll just let them stew. And if it gets to the third round, that's when I'd kind of think, well, why not take a chuck one into the mix? You know, the third round's a middle round. You know, if you if you trade down and you get a couple of thirds, let's say, or a th an extra fourth or something like that, you can maybe take a chance on one of these guys. If a Desmond Ridder's there or a Matt Corral, no, chuck them into the mix. You know, you did it with Russell Wilson. Do it with one of these guys. That that I'm more comfortable with. But wasting a pick, and it would be for me, Jeff, a wasted pick to, to use one of these 40 or 41 on a quarterback. I mean, that if I had hair, I'd be tearing it out. I look on Twitter, and all you have to do is click on a, a Seahawks tweet in the last 24 hours, and every single reply from the people on there is, draft Malik Willis, draft Malik Willis. The, the fan base, the sort of the, the less draft obsessed shall i say fan sort of sees malik willis falling and they want him they want that name the name quarterback they want the excitement of willis but the truth is he just isn't that he isn't that good you know he he's not a very good player he takes too many sacks he doesn't throw over the middle you know I, i've been given a little nudge that there may be a reason for that and you know he's not seeing the field properly um he's he's on the board still for a reason despite all of the first round talk Jeff, they're surely not going to spend one of these high picks on a QB. Surely they're going to just sort of park it, roll with what they've got, maybe dabble with Baker Mayfield and just move it on to next year, which is a better QB draft. So this is an interesting one because, you've A, you've been on this for months, and i got to give you credit for this because every basically mock draft in America – had Malik Willis going probably in the top twenty, and yeah, I don't. I you from your conversations, you've been saying all along these are third round prospects. These are third round prospects, and I think Pittsburgh was a team that was desperate, 
and their GM's leaving and want to leave them with a parting gift. And I think he completely reached. I think he completely reached. And to me, like, I, I know you've DM'd me on privately about this, but I was fighting a lot of Seahawks Twitter people about Desmond Ritter. And I, I wasn't fighting. I, I'm, not a, I'm not an evaluator. I, I rely on people like you and Dave Brugler and guys who dig into this. What I do is I try to have a sense of things based on talent, where things go. I try to read as much. I talk to as many people as I can. But I really rely on people like you who are going through this exclusively. And I thought the talk of Ritter in the first round was absurd. And I think Bullocks is a great word for it. And I know people were like, Atlanta's looking at him at eight. I thought they would be looking at him with their second second rounder. To me, he's like these guys are like Andy Dalton kind of prospects. And Andy Dalton went in the second round of the draft and he's had a pretty decent career, but he's never he's always had that ceiling as a player. And it's why Seattle didn't draft him. It's why Pete actually blocked that draft pick in the first place. And so what I've been thinking and sort of what I had heard when I got a little worried about that Tony Pauline report the other day, because I, I that made me very nervous and it rightfully should have. Because to me, I wrote an article yesterday for our site and I said dr- drafting a quarterback in the first round or trading up to do it would have made me break my remote in half. So I I do not like this quarterback class. I think it is what it is. And I think, I think as you said, the Malik Willis thing is so telling because there's so much value on these fifth-year options and just club control and all this stuff. And the fact that no one was willing to even move up in like such an important position in the league, I think that's so telling of this entire class. And Pickett was a guy who probably shouldn't have gone in the first round either. Like he's got a ceiling probably of Jimmy Garoppolo. That's probably his ceiling. So I was not I, – I think taking a quarterback, even at this spot, I know there's a lot of talk about Wilson Ritter. Go on Twitter. You'll see every Seahawks fan talking about those guys. I wouldn't take either of them. I think there's a reason they didn't go in the first round. And the thing I'm wondering – and it's, I remember John said this earlier in his draft, in his first press conference after the trade, is he made a comment like, where would Drew Locke go if he was in this draft class? And I wonder if the Seahawks internally, and I'd heard some things they're not high in the quarterback class. I know Brady Henderson from ESPN has been alluding to that the whole offseason. I think Brady has a really good relationship with the team. I wonder if they just view Drew Locke as the second round quarterback in this draft. Mm. So, I think I think Schneider made a sort of a, a – I think they alluded to that in that first trade press conference. That was really bizarre. But if Drew Locke's in this draft class, he's probably like – he's in this mix, right? Mm. And maybe better, like if we're being honest. So I think they view Locke as that second-round pick. If he were, he's a flyer. If it works, great. You got your quarterback. But let's be honest. Drew Locke's not going to be the franchise quarterback here. So they have that covered already. Why double down on it? It's just – redundant now and you've talked about this a lot and i know it's just consensus in the league the quarterback class next year is far better and i i heard the other day that they're they're thinking that way as well the quarterback next year they want to cover as much as they can so they can really position for that so for me i think taking a quarterback here would be a disastrous mistake because of the opportunity cost and I know when we first started talking about this draft, I compared this draft class to 2011 when guys like Christian Ponder and Blaine Gabbert went over J.J. Watt and Tyron Smith and Robert Quinn. Obviously, you got to push this back around here. But there's just an opportunity cost of saying, oh, maybe we'll take a dart throw on the quarterback. These are very flawed quarterbacks. Mm. And to me, there's just an opportunity cost because this is the sweet spot of this draft. You've been saying it the whole time. The whole league's been saying it. I think it's a big part of why Seattle – probably valued the second round pick this year versus getting that third first round pick in 2024. I think this is a really sweet spot of this draft where you can really add good players. 
and to take a flyer on a quarterback here, I know it's such an important position. To me, it's just burning. The opportunity cost of that is huge. So I don't understand the Desmond Ritter thing. I think he's a third-round player. I think Malik Willis, I can understand why people like him. He's got a lot of interesting attributes, similar to like Russ as a rookie. But there's just so many flaws there. And again, I think that Drew Locke is a similar kind of guy. I know we've seen him play. He's not very exciting. But I think that's what these guys project to. So don't take Matt Corral. Don't take Sam Howell. I I don't like either of those guys at all. So I'm pretty against the idea of taking a quarterback. And I think you're right. I was watching the draft. I don't know what broadcast you were watching last night. But I turned on the NFL Network feed like right before the first round started. And they opened the show talking about Malik Willis. And they did like a little thing of him. Where's Malik Willis going to go? I turned, I changed the channel. I'm like, this is idiotic. Like this draft class is not this at all. It reminded me like with the Geno Smith draft. Like I remember NFL Network could not stop talking about Geno Smith falling. I'm like, Geno Smith sucks. And they opened the show yesterday talking about, it It just gave me like Geno Smith vibes. And I just, I, I couldn't understand why a draft that you know is not good at quarterback opens the show talking about quarterback. I don't know if NFL could help themselves, but I literally turned the channel and went off and did go back to the NFL never because of that. So we, we are stuck in this country. We only get the option that we are supplied with, which in, in this instance is the NFL network. Yeah. So, um, uh, yeah, I, I, I completely agree with you. And look, I'm not, I'm not having a go at anybody. I'm, this is not direct to anybody specifically, mainly because a lot of people have suddenly jumped on this Desmond Ritter thing. I, I honestly don't see what people are watching here, Jeff. When they watch Desmond Ritter, I just sit there and go, what am I missing? You know, what What am I not seeing that all of these people who are talking about him as a first-round pick are seeing? I think he's so limited. You know, physically, just watch him throw downfield. There are so many, you know, wide open, because Alec Pierce is, you know, runs like a 4-3, foot 4 He runs downfield like DK Metcalf. And, you know, they schemed quite well to get him open. He would run downfield on a post, blown coverage. He's wide open. And he's fair catching the football downfield and instead of a touchdown, it's like a catch on the 10 because Desmond Ritter can't launch the ball downfield in front of him and let him run through for an easy touchdown. You you watch his mechanics, which are incredibly robotic, and get him into trouble as a consequence. There are just... I mean, there are passes that you would describe as essentially an extended handoff that he should be completing with his eyes closed that he's throwing behind, he's throwing high. I mean, my wife is absolutely sick of the draft at this point. I turned to her on Wednesday night and said, watch this and tell me what you think. And it was a throw from Desmond Ridder on all 22. I was like, what do you see? And she went, well, that's awful. I was like, yes. <laughs> I was like, just what am I not seeing? Because people are going, oh, he's, you know, he's Alex Smith. And, and he's this, and I'm, I'm thinking, I just cannot see it. Nice guy, one in college, extremely limited. The source that I speak to said he's reached his ceiling. He is what he is. What you see in, at Cincinnati, you will see in the NFL. And what we see at Cincinnati, Jeff, is never going to be a top 10 quarterback in this league. It never is. So why would you take him in the first round? Why would you take him in the top 50? If he's there in round three and you feel so inclined, to, to take him and chuck him in the mix for the competition to see if he can beat out Drew Locke. Okay, I, I'm not going to kill the Seahawks for that. But this talk of him being a first-round selection is absolutely insane. Now, 
I agree with you. I think Matt Corral has a lot of issues. You are going to have to sit Matt Corral for a year and then hope that he learns the NFL. And there's all this stuff about, I don't know what to make of him as a person, Jeff. All of the drama and the stuff like that. I don't I don't know. I don't know him. The teams will know him a lot better than us. Carol will probably have more info, inside info than anybody else, given that he, he's close to Lane Kiffin. But I wouldn't go in that direction. Sam Howell, to me, my God. I mean, it's just a really limited Baker Mayfield. I don't get that at all. Yeah. I mean, if you if you really, really have to take one, I'd almost be like saying, well, look, just hope that Carson Strong's knee is not just going to detach from the rest of his body in the, <laughs> as a, in, in the first year in the league and take him. And I think he could be available round five, round six because of the knee. I'd rather go in that direction and just take a shot to nothing than be spending a high pick. on. I, I cannot allow myself, Jeff, to think that they're going to take a quarterback in the first round. I just can't. And yet, until I see them all leave the board or the Seahawks make their two picks, it, I am going to be shit scared that they're going to take one right up until the point that it can't physically happen anymore. But I really hope it doesn't happen. This is not the year to take a quarterback. Build your team. What do you think the chances are? Give it a percentage. 35%. Cool. I was hoping you were going to say less than that. Oh, it's nah. just, you know, uh, maybe a little less, but maybe 25. One in mm. four chance. But I don't know. Based on everything I'm hearing and a lot of their just actions have been consistent with what I've been hearing. I just don't see the point of having another two Drew Locks on your team. They already have yeah. one Drew Lock. And Geno Smith went in this range too. And they have enough of these guys. We've seen what these guys become in the NFL. I think that's what these guys are. And I know people are all hoping for a shot in the dark to find another Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson was a once in a generation success story. Like you're, especially now that Russell did come out and the, the hype concerns have been changed. Guys, guys like Russell are going to almost never happen again. Like Dak Prescott came out of the fourth round a couple years ago. That's a pretty good one. But second round quarterbacks historically have like not been good. The best success story of the second round quarterbacks is probably Derek Carr. And Derek Carr's been pretty good, but he's always, he's always a bit limited as a player. And I think I just don't think you're getting you're more likely to get like a Teddy Bridgewater guy again. That's you just if you want to become the Denver Broncos, you can do that. Get Drew Locke and Teddy Bridgewater, it'd be fine. But to me, you're hoping they become that. And I again, I'm with you. I I, I just haven't understood what happens with the quarterbacks, and we saw it with Blaine Gabbard and Ponder and all these guys is people convince themselves into it. And yeah. it's such a position where you find one thing you like and you sell yourself on. It's like trying to buy a house and the market's terrible and you're just convincing yourself to do something. And quarterback, that happens far more than any other position. And I know people see Malik Willis and they see the comparisons to Russ and some how he was similar to like Josh Allen as a prospect from a small school. And you start selling yourself on the idea and you start looking and that's all you see. With Ritter, I think just the quarterbacks were so bad in this draft that there's nothing available, there's no supply, and people are looking for something to believe in. And they see Ritter, they see he's got some good qualities, like the Alex Smith stuff, I can see some of it. But Alex Smith went first overall. Like he's a totally different yeah. prospect. People, you, people in the college season were calling Ritter a third or fourth rounder. That's, that's what happens. That's what happens in draft time. People convince themselves at quarterback that they try to find something they like, and then they they start convincing themselves. And this year we saw it. We saw online people are saying Desmond Ritter at nine. 
to me, if you took Desmond Ritter at nine, that's like one of the worst draft picks in the last 20 years. So I, I just think the league spoke pretty clearly about where these quarterbacks are. And yeah, it'd be nice to have one, take a flyer or whatever, but you're more likely to be drafting one again next year. So why are you wasting opportunity to add from the strength of a draft for a guy who's likely not going to be there next year? Exactly. And, and, and as, we, as you've said, quite rightly, you know, I know that the Seahawks fans are probably not excited by Drew Locke, but there's every chance that he's actually better than these quarterbacks that are available. So that, that's, and I, that's, that's the perspective you need. Yeah. There's a couple of super chats. This one from Squatch, I think Cross plus uh, then one of Leo Chanel or Tyndall plus an edge is something we can all get behind. Do not draft a QB at 40-41. Looking forward to seeing how we screw it up. Well, that's very negative of you, Squatch. Let's let's have some faith. Let's see that they're going to get this right. Um, and there's another one here from Robbie. Robbie's chimed in. Uh, QB, such a hot topic. Five-round bare-knuckle boxing to all who are arguing right now. Stop flaming people for having opinions. That's exactly what it is. Just an opinion. It's okay. Relax. Uh, very true, Robbie. Very, very true. There's been a lot of strong opinions over the last 24 hours. I, I, it brings out the worst in people sometimes, the draft, because everyone's got a view on it. Um, but we'll see. Right. Should we finish with this uh, simulation here? Let me go and share the, the screen. I should have set this up before we started. So it'll take me a five seconds or so just to get the uh, the right screen up here. There we go. Can you see that, Jeff? Yep. Okay, right. Seattle selected. What it does is quite clever. It's already going to put in the picks that have been made in round one. It'll just fast forward us to Seattle's pick. So everything that happened last night is happening. Uh, it's taking its merry time, but we'll eventually get there. Wow, Cole Strange went in the first round. Can you believe it? <laughs> um, okay, so... So here we go then, Jeff. Uh, Perry and Winfrey went 33. Andrew Booth, 34. Watson, 35. Dean, 36. I mean, this is not unrealistic um, as to what's happened there. So which of the quarterbacks are you taking? No, I'm joking. Um, what What do you think then? You know, who who floats your boat in this kind of a situation? Do you want to go with a, a defensive player? These are the, the ones that it's suggesting are the top ranked, but you, there might be one that you prefer. These are what it's saying in offense. Um, you know, this is just to show how preposterous everything is, is that Malik Willis was ranked as the fifth best player in the draft <laughs> went to Pro Football Network. Matt Corral at 18, and they're still there. Um, what, do you, what are you thinking here? What would your preference be, do you think, if you're going to make a pick? So is this, we can, can we make a trade here? We can. Let's have a look. So, so the Carolina Panthers are offering their first round pick next year to get back into the draft. Oh, yeah, I would do that in a second. Yeah, I don't think that's this, realistic. Yeah, this one's a bit more realistic. So the commanders have, have asked to move up seven spots to give us 98 for pick 229. That's the kind of trade we were talking about earlier, isn't it? Yeah, you want to do that? I would do that trade. So, we'll do that. they've taken Matt Corral, and then what it does, I've actually done a simulation earlier, and this the same thing happened. So, now the Lions are trying to get up because they want a quarterback as well. So, is this realistic, do you think? Or, yeah, I'd probably do what? this too. <laughs> Okay, so there we go. So instead of having forty, I, I love the fact the Panthers are desperate to get back into the. Yeah, into I the think draft. we got. I think we got Jeff, but He's too unrealistic. Yeah, I agree. We'll get rid of that. It's because Malik Willis is still there. So yeah. we've gone from. I, I loved this earlier. Forty and forty-one have turned into forty-six and forty-seven. You've not actually gone down that far, and no, for I... that, you've you've now got ninety-seven and ninety-eight as well. So you've yeah, got so the now. Next... And... 
And now we can start picking, and the players across the board are still pretty much the same I would have been talking about last pick. So who's on the board for defense? There we go. Who who takes your fancy of like I don't know where Tyndall would be ranked on this. He's he's way he's for some reason he's ranked the hundred and second player. So yeah. that's that's ridiculous. And what about the edge? Is it the edge? So yeah, so Drake Jackson's I don't I'm I think he's the next Rasheem Green. Just yeah, based on yeah, the tape. I, I, I think that Sanders has sunk like a stone. Thomas never tested. Enigbari ran like a five zero zero forty. I would probably um, take Sam Williams. Yeah, I'm, I was thinking the same. So yeah. you get Sam Williams, that's exciting, isn't it? Sam Williams yeah. across from Daryl Taylor. Hopefully the character the flaws. And then what would you do for 47, do you think? Like I would probably take Tyndall, but is Abe Lucas there? He is. So what do you want to do? Do you want to go... Um, you know what we could have done if we, if we could do this again is we probably could have hoped that the character concerns bump him Cush down him a round down or two. Start. Yeah. But, if, but, but Tyndall will be there. When we're That's in round three, so so I would take Lucas. Okay, so let's just go down to the next pick. So let's just say, no, I think you... we want to. I think we want to keep picking. Yeah, let's keep picking now because it's just going to keep chucking trades out. So let's so, just take Tyndall. And, and, yeah, and then one way or another, you've got the players that that you want, and you know we've already got an A plus for this as far as I'm concerned. So on top of the Charles Trosh, you've got your right tackle. You've got a dynamic edge rusher. You've got a really blazing physical linebacker. That looks like a, a really solid four picks. And then you've got three more coming up in the next, what is that, 12 picks, which is incredible, isn't it? This is mm -hmm. this is the dream scenario, really. And it'd be really exciting today to have this many picks. So because uh, these are late third rounders. So what what do you think now then? So there's still a running back um potential. There's still I, I guess you could look at cornerback here, although a lot of the best options are gone. Um, I really like Demari Mathis, but uh, that, the, the other options are not great. Uh, defensive tackle again, mm, not great. Not great. Um, Is Jurgen still there? He probably will be. No, he's, yeah, not. he's, he's gone. No, okay. So it's. I want to keep going defense. I think. So what are we oh. thinking here? So we have our. We took edge. We took linebacker, corner. See the, cor the players I like are always lower on these lists because I think these lists are a bit out of whack. Is there a is there a name? Do you want to keep scrolling down here? We're, we're quite deep in. We're doing down yeah. to three hundreds now. So what about what about edge again? What about, yeah? Let's have a look at the edge. So what about really like Clemens, yeah. That, that's just—it's a Seahawks pick, isn't it? You know, it's it's, yeah. it's it's forty-three spots higher than they've got him, but and we know they just, met with them. Yeah, they, they love that. So we've got another then, edge rusher there, and then maybe a running back. Yeah, and Damian Pierce is still available. Should we take him? Yeah, and take Damian Pierce. They should just employ us to do the draft. Yeah, um, this seems a bit unrealistic to me. I can't imagine the Bills trading. Three. What do you want to reject that and just keep going? Yeah, I think we keep going. We we did pretty well in these trades. So I mean that, that is a that is a haul right there, yeah. isn't it? Yeah, if they come out with this, their whole roster looks totally different. I'm, I'm definitely not going to be sleeping again tonight if they come on no. this list. It's going to be really very exciting. So that would all be today <laughs> yeah. as well. That one, two, three, four. Those five players will all be drafted today into this scenario. But if yeah. that happens, 
then um, a couple of statues need to be built outside Lumen Field, frankly, for the for the fellas there. Um, okay, so what are the positions? Cornerback still not been uh, addressed. Yeah, and this is usually their sweet spot for corner. I mean, he he's got some sort of the traits that they like. I really like him. He's very physical. Uh, great tester. Yeah. Can I convince you with Mathis? Yeah, I, I think so. So there we go. We've got a cornerback now. I think that's another great pick. I don't think he's going to be there in round four, but you never know, no. I guess. No. Um, so. Do you know what? He's he's a sneakily interesting player. Yeah. Great tester. Um, so is there any of the quarterbacks there here? That's a good shout. So this Jack is where you Cohen. could take Jack Cohen, yeah. Yeah, let's go for Jack Cohen. Jack Cohen. So um, they don't have a sixth rounder. So now I think it, um, I think we traded our seventh away to move up. Uh, yeah, that's true. So there we go. Yeah. That's the end. But uh, yeah, that is me, that is a, a brilliant draft. Well done, Jeff. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> that is because uh, there you, you you got two offensive linemen. You got your edge rushers rebuilt. You got a new linebacker. A new running back, and then you, you just you don't have as many needs next year. Filled out your, your defensive depth chart. You've added yeah, talent. You, you're going to need some more corners in the future. That's very good. It's a, it's, it's a great draft. Well done, everybody. Yeah. Congratulations, everybody. Right. Well, let's hope that happens today. Mm -hmm. um, any final thoughts, Jeff? I mean, it's a big day, isn't it? It's a big this. I mean, that, okay, you know, it was just one pick yesterday. Um, I think the win the winners and lose. I was I thought the winners and losers would come today. I'm not sure that the Giants and the Jets and teams like that are going to relinquish the winners list in the rankings. But I do think there is room for a team to get amongst them with a great day too. It's a big big day, isn't it? It is, and the Seahawks have the best capital of any team picking today with the two high picks. I know Atlanta has a couple high ones, but this is where we're going to learn a lot about the Seahawks and how they can rebuild this team. Because I think you said it well. I think it was, in a sense, it was settling. I think it was just ob sort of an obvious pick that they didn't really have much of a choice there. I think unless they had a trade-down scenario they loved, there wasn't much left on the board for them based on how it fell. So today we're really going to learn because they're going to have options. They can move around the board. There are so many different positions. We'll really have a sense of where they view the team, if they're going to take shortcuts, or if they're trying to really lay down a foundation here to really set up the next draft. And that's how you rebuild a team with two drafts. So today with this huge capital, again, we just saw moving down the board a couple spots, you can end up with three or five, four or five picks today. And again, this whole time, this whole process, this is that sweet spot. So I think this is a far more important day for them than yesterday was. Yesterday, I just ho my hope was just they didn't screw up. And they didn't screw up. You know, you can either like or love the pick or think it's fine, but they didn't screw up. Today, we'll really, really get a sense of how you can evaluate this draft. And by tomorrow, we'll know a lot about this team and what this future looks like. Final super chat here from Richard. It says, Rob, here's the super chat I said I would send you. Question, given these two options, what do you take? Cornerback and linebacker or safety and edge with 14-41? My answer would be neither, Richard. I would, I would rather have edge and linebacker, edge and O-line, linebacker and O-line. You, know, you, could, you could maybe argue for a running back there, as we've discussed, but yeah, I'd... I'd I don't. I don't want to take a safety. I'm happy to just roll with Blair and Neil yeah. and those fellas and maybe the guy they had in for a visit last week, rather than going down that road. Right. Very interesting day. What are we now? 
five hours away from it all starting again. Yeah. Exciting times. Uh, just a reminder, everybody, that I'll be doing the live blog again on silksdraftblog.com. And then immediately afterwards, we will do a quick live stream to react to everything that's happening. It probably won't be a quick live stream if they have five picks like we've just done. It'll probably be a long live stream. But there we go. We'll see what happens. Uh, so stay tuned. Please like the video and subscribe if you get a chance. Many thanks to Jeff. That was a great hour. Really appreciate your time there, Jeff. And uh, interesting day. Day two of the draft on the way very, very soon. We'll speak soon. Bye for now. All right. Enjoy.